Hello, everyone, and welcome to Journey to Success Radio, a show featuring people and companies who are making a positive contribution to the world. This show will help you learn how to apply success principles in every area of your life so that you can make the most out of your skills and talents and accomplish more of your goals. To find out more about the show, please visit www.journeytosuccessradio.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Journey to Success Radio. My name is Tom Tutal Cunningham. I'm a Napoleon Hill Foundation certified instructor and resiliency expert. And my life's purpose is to encourage people to live positively with and through the many and varied challenges of life. You can find out more about me in this radio show at our website, journeytosuccessradio.com. My guest today is is the show amazing man uh jimmy capra he's an author motivational speaker and currently the ceo and founder of the frontline leadership group located in argyle texas uh he has unique experience of over three decades as a warrior and public servant he shared real he shares real life examples and uplifting stories of what it takes to lead in any environment. He's the author of Leadership at the Frontline: Lessons Learned About Loving, Leading, and Legacy from a Warrior and Public Servant, and the children's book The Eagle and the Seagulls: A Wisdom Story for Children and Adults, published by Lulu.com. This next book, his third book. Uh, co-authored with his wife, Michelle, details the challenges of raising children in a culture filled with frivolity and moral relativism. Hot topic. Good topic. Raising courageous children in a cowardly culture is scheduled to be available in the spring of this year. Welcome uh, to the show, Jim. Well, thanks, Tom. I appreciate being with you again. It's it's, It's an honor. And so much has happened since the last time we spoke. So much has happened, and you know, even your bio has changed. Now your bio doesn't mention the uh, what you did in public service, and you—if there's a frontline public servant, you were on those front lines. So just detail that briefly, because to me that's fascinating. Although what you're doing now is probably as much or more what God intended for your life uh, as anything. But what you did uh, for a career is pretty fascinating. Well, thanks. You know, I, um, I grew up the son of a, a public servant. My, my dad was a Korean combat vet and a New York City police officer and got hurt on the job. We moved to upstate New York. But at about 18, 19 years old, I, I uh, barely graduated high school, went off to the military and, and served and then uh, got out and went to college, met my wife and stayed in the military. I was in three services, uh, the Navy and then uh, the Air National Guard, and then became a military intelligence officer for the Army when I graduated college and, and then uh, really wanted to be a federal narcotics agent in the worst way and actually prayed. I, I, I actually asked God, begged God, please, can I do this job? And and uh, I always tell people he, he allowed me to come on. And, and so for the next 27 and a half years, I was a, a federal narcotics agent and um, stationed all around the, the country and, and uh, rose up through the ranks to run in the agency as the chief of global operations and traveled around the world. And, and uh, it was just a great, um, really tremendous experience and, and just have met 
and worked with some of the bravest and dedicated uh, men and women in public service. So um, just so fortunate to, to, to have done that. And, um, and then when I got ready to retire, um, it was on my heart for, for years, I had been talking to our, our younger men and women about what it takes to lead from the heart to care about people. And so we prayed really hard about it, my wife and I, and, and we decided we were going to step out of the boat and I was going to start my own speaking business and write. And uh, so the last two and a half years, we've been traveling around the country and, and talking about leadership challenges and issues and national security issues and drug use and abuse issues. But it always dovetailed because um, I'm pretty bold having my wife and I are the parents of six kids. It always dovetails come back to when you talk about issues in our country, whether they be crime and punishment whether they be, you know, race and poverty and all the other things that come in, it always comes back to, I said, to family. And so, you know, the first book we did was on, uh, was a leadership book was our walk. The second book, the Eagle of the Seagulls is a story that I actually made up to, for my kids years ago. And the, the story is about, I mean, we call them wisdom stories about, you know, uh, uh, faith and discipline and how, you know, I used to tell them, you're not meant to just be a follower. You're, you're meant to be a warrior, no matter what career you, cho- you choose. And then about a year and a half ago, I, I um, you know, Tom, I, I told you, I said, I have six kids and I was hoping, I, I jokingly say, and I, and I mean this jokingly say, geez, I'd like to exploit one kid. Go, go, go <laughs> work Wall Street, become wealthy, buy daddy a boat. I joke around, but you know, four of my six are in public service. And about a year and a half ago, my my one son, who's a police officer and, and married, um, actually walked up to me and, and said, hey, dad, what's wrong with my generation? And that's how, you know, my wife and I started talking about this next book is we wanted to write a book about, you know, what what do we see in the new generation today? And and uh, so that set us on a journey of um, of writing this next book, Raising Courageous Children in a Cowardly Culture. Wow. Six kids. Yeah. <laughs> You've three... done some experimenting. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's funny, Tom, I, and I, I really do this. As a matter of fact, I just had just distinct honor and privilege of speaking up at Lake Point Church in Rockwall, Texas, to uh, they call it Man Church. And I, I'm the first one to tell people all the time, hey, listen, l- let me tell you something. I'm still learning, and, I, and I'm not going to get the Father of the Year award. And I don't say that to be, uh, you, know, uh, uh, you know, humble Harry or anything, uh, you know, because you got to, you know, men in, are called into the arena to fight for their family every day. And, and, uh, and, and, and it looks different for all of us, and we don't always do it well. So, you know, when I talk about family issues or when I talk about, you know, raising courageous children, I, I don't I don't talk from a perspective. I, I know how to do it great and I have all the answers. What I talk about is, you know, the mistakes we made, the things that we found out about ourselves, what, you know, the things that we found out about our children. Um, but at the end of the day, we also talk the, the book is really steeped very heavily in our faith and which has a lot to do with how 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 we raised them and how we reacted to adversity and, and so i always want to you know i always tell people i'm not here to tell you how to do it i'm just sharing with you how my wife and i uh, uh very honestly very openly um and very boldly how how what it took for us to raise the children we have and uh, and 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 we talk about some of our kids challenges too and you know we had to get permission from them to write about it and they were so graceful and, and uh, to do that. 
Well, my my mom's a minister, and she never asks me when she's going to talk about me, and she does <laughs> somewhat regularly. And yeah. people are like, "Oh, your mom preached about you," and it's like, or talked about you. It's like, oh. <laughs> with me on that one. Now uh, I'm 53, uh, Jimmy, and I'm uh, a, a few years ago. I started feeling like a grouchy old man because the uh, <laughs> current generation of millennials. Uh, were quite strange for me yeah. and uh this is what every older person thinks but i i saw such vast differences in them and how i was brought up and, and like uh, you know they brought up with computers for the big one and right. so does the issues of parenting now uh with the accessibility to almost more evil more sin more of satan is it any different in this generation than from past generations the normal ones when i was a kid <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know tom i think every generation says that you know um there's a lot written about the the so-called millennials by the way all, all my kids are you know if, if we were to define millennials they'd all fall into that category but to be honest with you, you know, they're 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 not your traditional millennials or those that are written about. And every and, and I, I did a piece not long ago that said, are all the millennials broken? And they're not and they're not. But but, you know, when when we were growing up, you know, the boomers and stuff, people found issues with our generation. Then we found issues with the, you know, Generation X and Generation Y and now the now the millennials. So I, I think as we get older, we we have a tendency and we do this at work, too, to say, well, because I, I remember, I remember guys older than me when I was a uh, was a federal agent saying, "Well, these agents today, they're not like we were when we were younger." Uh, some of that's true, uh, but some of that is based on you know the a perception. But I think really in this particular um, season that we're in, I think what we're seeing as in regards to the millennial generation is how children are being uh, raised. And and uh, so let me let me when you ask are are issues different different today? Yeah, they are because I think there's a we have half of the kids. Think of this for a minute. Really, sometimes people miss this when I tell them that, or they they have a tendency to question it. Nearly half of the children that are born in, in the United States today are born to single moms. That's 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 incredible. We, we don't blink our eyes about that here. We, we, we seem to not let that phase us. And it's, it's, it's increased uh, exponentially in the last 25 years. In some ethnic communities, believe it or not, that number is almost double. So, so what you have are, are today, I think more so than any time before, is we have young men growing up who don't know what it's like to be a man. We have young women who are growing up who have no influence from a dad. And I tell people all the time, what we have today more so I think than any time in history. Um, and when I say this, people, you know, especially coming from a former law enforcement officer, I said our issue in the United States uh, ha has very little to do with crime and poverty and racism. And people go, well, wait a minute. No, and I served in the trenches for nearly 30 years. I can tell you it has everything to do that we're becoming a fatherless nation and that is impacting our children. And so let, let me just tell you, Tom, children who grow up without the 
influence of a father grow up in what I call an emotional desert. The emotional young young women, young girls, you know, long you know to have a relationship with their with their father, and when they when they do, they become they become scarred. They don't know where to get that. Men don't know how what it's like. Where is that role model to teach me what it's like to be man or masculine? Or and and the, and we we just destroyed the whole idea of masculinity in our in our culture any, anymore. But I mean, as simple things as to teach young men how to how to change a tire, or what it's like to love somebody, love a woman, you know, love, love your so as a role model, it's how a man loves his wife. And we're seeing less and less of this. As a matter of fact, and what and what we're seeing more of is this whole enabling, which is putting these kids in a bubble, and 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 some of the parents wanting to do everything for them, including and take responsibility for them. So, you know, Johnny gets a poor grade and, and mom and or dad runs to the school and says, why did Johnny get a poor grade? He shouldn't get a poor grade. Or we protect this whole protection of, of Johnny or Susie from getting a scratched knee or, or, or it weakens them. And then they go off to a world, um, you know, not prepared to face the world. So the first time they hit any adversity, you know, they need to, I call, I say it, they need a safe space. I can't handle it. Oh my gosh. And there's this twisted sense that they have anymore. So yeah, I think I think in this generation, and and I'm and that by the way, that in this generation, I think there is there is as we start to look, it has everything to do with parenting. Now there are. So let me say this because from time to time, Tom, when I talk about this, people say, well, what about single parents? I said, let me tell you something. I have watched some. I have watched children come out of a single parent household become not only a single parent household, but a single parent household that practically lived in poverty, that those children come out to be pillars of society. I've also watched young men and women grow up in two uh, parent households become literally uh, criminals, uh, twisted uh, criminals. And so I don't take anything away from moms or dad who, who because of their circumstances are working so hard to raise by themselves a child. So I'm not taking anything away. Right. What I am taking is too easy today to have, you know, men walk away from their responsibilities as being a father or, or a husband. Amen. Can I add a little uh, thought to that as well? Yeah. I, I have well, I, I, I admire single women and I have seen personal firsthand single women with kids and like one income, no help from a husband. Yeah actually either and the kids become amazing yeah. but yes. i think that well, maybe it's just the circles i hang out in but to me in those circumstances the mother relies on jesus to be the father yeah and when they have that strong faith and she relies on jesus mm-hmm. and prays it over her kids the wisdom and the comfort and the guidance that they get is not as good as having a father there, but in some ways it's better as well. And so, yeah, don't we're not we're not uh, putting down. Uh, actually, uh, we should be glorifying absolutely. them because they're doing an amazing job. Absolutely, and listen, we not only friends, but you look listen to some of the uh, men and women in our in our in uh, that we see today. Whether they be, you know, not every athlete is. <laughs> is somebody that we should look towards with yeah. some of them who talk boldly about being raised by 
mostly single moms. There are some right. that have raised by a single dad, but mostly single moms and what they're responsible for. Amazing. Amazing. And, and that, that becomes it. That, that mom realizes it's me. It's my responsibility to train him up in the way he should go. And, and so I have great respect for that. On, on the mm. other side is, is, is because, because in our, our culture, in American society, we, we're like, nah, it's okay. You know, so we've, we've, we've done our best to kill off God in our society for any mention of any kind of spirituality whatsoever. Oh, my gosh, that's a terrible thing. Uh, we've told young men and women, hey, uh, you, you can, truth is relative, so your truth doesn't have to be my truth. Um, uh, give them anything they want. Tell them that, you know, uh, that, that behavior, you know, the behavior that used to be frowned upon or said, hey, why don't you wait till you're married? Wait till you get through. Don't have children when you're a child. Things like that. You know, people mock it. It's no big deal anymore. And we wonder why we're becoming a fatherless nation. Right. You know, we wonder why we, we see the issues. You know, we wonder why. How is it that a middle school can get let out? If you remember the Baltimore riots not that long ago, the Baltimore riots that happened there. One of the things I, I, I don't know if people really caught, but that middle, a middle school was let out. A middle school was let out. And these kids came out, picked up rocks and started throwing them at the police. Not certainly all of them, but a bunch of them. And you got to ask yourself, what, this looks like something in the Middle East or somewhere else. And yet, what, where is it that, where is it that some of these kids got the idea, I'm going to go out and throw rocks at the authority that's out there trying to quell things. And it, it's, we haven't seen things like this in the past. So it causes you to ask, what were these kids thinking and how, how did they come to that? And so you go back to, how, you know, what, what were the priorities during them being raised? And again, you know, from a, from a guy that says, I don't, I don't have all the answers. Pe- people often say, so you're blaming. So listen, I'm not blaming. I'm just bringing to light some of the things that are happening in our culture that have a direct impact on the way we're parenting our children. Right, right. And uh, some of it, well, it all goes basics. The basics being, in my opinion, uh, the Bible and the way to raise up kids. So that mm-hmm. doesn't change as the ages modernize. Like, oh, wow, it's 2017 now, so we should let them do all these things. Right. Uh, right. Uh, you know, in my opinion, and even how I feel, like I sometimes see kids youngish kids swearing at their parents and yeah. boy i almost close my eyes because i almost feel like a slap from my own parents if i ever even <laughs> thought of doing that myself and yeah. i open my eyes and the kids just standing there are still functioning yeah and yeah so I, i'm thinking I, like wow how has this changed that now you can actually swear at your parents right and walk away like nothing happened right because we think you know like i said some people think it's cute i'll look at you know one of the things you know look at that's kind of cute when a kid starts acting up at a very young age so instead of instead of quelling that immediately instead of saying that's not that's not proper conduct you know, some parents think it's really cute. And isn't it funny that little Johnny who's three is swearing? Oh, no, no, no. That's, you know, you're setting in motion a set of behavior that's going to be problematic in the long run. You know, the, the, you know, the, the other, the other thing is this. So let me, let me talk about our community and within our Christian community. And, and um, we, you know, we got a little bit of feedback from time to time, but, you know, within the Christian community, sometimes here's what I, well, here's what I've seen is that, we put our children in a little bubble. In other words, I have had men and women um, in our community say, well, because their kids go to 
uh, church, be, because we dunk them in the tank, because they answered an altar call, because, you know, they, um, uh, they go to Christian-sponsored events, their kids are going to be fine. So they start to divest some of the responsibility that they have as a parent to the church. And that's absolutely, that's, you could be more wrong about that. Mm-hmm. Those are all good. Listen, those are great things. It's wonderful. I've, I've said time and time in my new book, all of my training would be nothing if my children didn't come to know the Lord. And I mean that sincerely. If they didn't know what, you know, who Jesus was, what he did for us and how he forgave us, you know, so all of it would be for, for nothing. However, I, we still as a parent have to be engaged with them and pouring into them and raising them and telling you, you just can't divest that authority to somebody else. And at times, you know, we see that happening. And so when our kid then leaves out from under our responsibility, out from under our protection and goes into a world that's filled with moral relativism and they haven't at least had some basic training from mom or dad about how to face that that they they become almost targets, whether it's in the college environment or somewhere else, or they become emotionally um, susceptible to being moved to walk away from their faith. And so, you, you know, our responsibility, ours, I mean, as parents to pour into our children, to get them to build that foundation. In. So not divested to anything, anybody else. I'm not saying that going to church is, is bad. It's good. But but, you know, all too many times, you know, and I'm I'll careful. I don't want to paint brush everybody like this is, you know, I don't, you know, putting people in a bubble is wrong. Like, you know, this, you get exposed to certain things. Eh? Right. You know, and I think you have to see how the world operates. You got me grinning from ear to ear because that was kind of the strategy my parents used. I was diagnosed with rheumatoid arthritis. Right, it was at age five, and my parents decided, let's just let him live like a normal kid. So if he wants to play hockey, and you live in Canada, you're going to be playing hockey, and we know that a he's not going to make the NHL, probably be a crappy player, and b the next day, like just literally won't be able to move. But hey, go right. ahead, and it's like right. wow. The best things and memories of my life are playing sports, not thinking wow. or memories of the day after when I couldn't move. And yet we would go to so many uh, doctor's appointments, my mom and I, with other kids with rheumatoid arthritis. And we would remark, both of us, and I'm pretty young, that, wow, like those parents keep that kid in a bubble. They don't go to school. They have tutors. Yeah. They're not involved in anything. Like, wow, like that's not going to be a fun life. And so, right, right, a bubble doesn't help. If you don't learn to be resilient when you're young, you're going to have challenges because no matter how blessed your life is, there's going to be some challenges. And if you don't learn when you're young that A, worthy or not worthy of challenges than anyone else, why me is not really a smart question, and B, how to get over them and hold your faith and, and use your faith to get over them, then when you're older and you're just learning it the first time, you're going to be in <laughs> big trouble. That's, that's exactly right. You know, the funny thing about adversity, when, we, when we're faced with adversity and challenges, and certainly you, you've talked about it, you've lived the life of, of adversity in, in uh, uh, what, what you're dealing with in your body and stuff, but you know as well as, as others is one of the things about adversity is, I, people say adversity builds character. Well, I, I, well, I think adversity you know, you know, reveals character in a lot of ways. 
And so one of the things that, that we used to talk about with our kids is like, listen, you can, you can do everything right. You could be the best athlete, uh, but sometimes you lose because another, another team or another opponent is better, but it's, it's what you do or how do you react to that adversity that sometimes defines your character? You know, some, some people are met with adversity and they crawl into a ball and run and hide or they climb and jump up and down. But it's, you know, a true champion faced with adversity, you know, learns from it and says, I got to be better at what I'm doing. I got I have to I have to challenge myself more. And so that's one of the things that we used to do. You know, all kids played sports and, and, and things. And we used to tell them all the time, hey, we, we want you. You're made to be a champion. But listen, you know, if, when you lose, you lose with honor and dignity but you learn from it. You just don't give up, you know? And, and uh, uh, he said, so little, just little things like that um, mean a lot. If it's like, you know, in training, I told somebody, one of the things in both military training and law enforcement training, um, trainers take the um, new recruits and uh, uh, to the ultimate, um, as far as they can take them training wise. I mean, they push you, to almost the brink. And the, and the reason they do that is because real battle, real battle, Tom, is exponentially worse. You, they, they can't mimic real battle. So they take you, your body, your mentally, physically to the brink because they know if we can at least take you there and you can survive, when real battle comes, you, you'll, you'll survive. It's exponentially worse. And that's how it is I think in the world, that's how it is. We, we do a disservice sometimes for our children when we're so busy protecting them from, you know, sometimes influences of the world that, we're, that when we do let them go, they're not, they're not prepared, you know, to face that. So mm-hmm. I'll give you a quick example. I told my kids, every kid that, that left the house well before, and we had rites of passages for them and everything as they're growing up. But when they, when they got ready to leave, I used to say, listen, everything that you've been trained uh, about, is, is going to be challenged when you go off to college. Every issue of faith, and you're going to meet people who will mock you openly for your, for your faith. I said, here's the, here's the deal. You don't have enough intellectual maturity yet to respond back to a professor. So, so we, would, we would tell them, listen, don't be upset because somebody does it. Learn, learn their tactic. In other words, if somebody, if you have to take a course where somebody is teaching, I don't anything from evolution to whatever they're teaching, you learn it better than they do. So when you're prepared someday to give a defense or a response, you you know how to do that tactically, and you do it in, in, with with love and respect as well. You know the the world is filled with <laughs> crazy stuff. But but you want to walk in in, a, in an area where you, where your response is with love and respect, and not pointing at people's you know poking people in the eye, and so that that's you know that's kind of part of it. Hmm. Wow. Now uh, uh, I'm thinking of uh, the 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 reason behind why your wife and yourself wrote the book. Uh, to me, it almost feels like it almost feels like my purpose. I say about my purpose my written purpose statement that I feel that if God were sitting on the other side of my desk, uh, which would be a pretty cool meeting, that I think he'd <laughs> give me the he'd give me the same document that I have. Here's why you were created. And I get the impression that God spoke to you, you and your wife, and said, like, here's how you can make a difference. Here's how you could possibly change young people and parents and is that 
mainly the drive because a you don't need the money uh it's not related to what your career was but it has the biggest potential to impact a large group of people for decades than anything you've done yeah and i think that's part of it you know we we uh, one of the things that my wife shelly and i we often talk about is say listen you know we have you know we have more years behind us than we have in in front of us and so you can become the angry old people at the end of the cul-de-sac who just every day looks out at a, at a, at a culture you know filled with you know that worships moral relatives and just sit there and uh, or we we can we can try to do something about it and talk from our faith-based area and say listen we're not trying to this is and sometimes people don't say i the purpose of how we raise our children isn't so much as they're going to go out and change the culture. Follow me, Tom. It's not so much that they change the culture. It's that they wouldn't be conformed by the culture. So they could be that light, that light bearer out there. The people say, hey, wait, there's another way. Wait, they, 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 why is it that this person is different? And that's not an arrogant thing. It's, it's really, it's really how, how do I best model what, what Christ did for us? And so what, what motivated us, you know, to, to, to write about it is kind of when we, like I said, you look out today, what's happening and say, Hey, how is it? Was it just luck? You know, was it just luck that all six of our kids so far are, have turned out to be really, and I'm unashamed, you know, it's, it's I'm, I'm not ashamed to say it. Is it just luck that my wife and I have been together for 36 years? Is it just luck that, uh, you know, my kids are all turning out. Okay. And by the way, we've had, adversity and death and trauma and everything else in our lives but but what is it that that we're doing that seems to work okay and really everything is is based upon i i, I believe not just not just biblical principles but the faith that we that that we have a god that that listens to the righteous prayers of of parents you know right. what i mean and and we have a responsibility but here's the deal tom this is the reality of what we do is i just spoke to a group of men and said this i call it getting into the arena every day and fighting for the hearts and minds of our children and so because the subtitle to the booth the 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 book is you know uh, um, uh, i just lost myself here for a minute but raising courageous children in a cowardly culture and the, the subtitle is you know is is battling for the hearts and minds fighting for the hearts and minds of our children so shell and i what we talk about is going into that arena every day and fighting for, for their lives, not just praying, but talking to them, taking time out of your day. And, and that takes time and energy and it, it takes sacrifice and commitment and it's risky. And the reason it's risky, Tom, is because we can do everything right in, in bringing up our children. We can do everything right in a marriage and, and we can wake up someday and our children can still take the prodigal path for capable and our marriages sometimes still fall apart you know it, it it not that it's so it's not just chance sometimes it happens more more importantly is how do you respond you know how do you respond to that and so it forces us to be on our knees again and say listen you know you know it's like raising the kids i say hey listen sometimes good you know bad things happen to very good people and it's a struggle we're faced with as christians you know and i i kind of address that in the book as as well but but we more importantly you know if i had to say anything I, I would want to make a difference in the lives of my children. So they make a lot, make a difference in the lives of their children. Mm-hmm. And that's handed down. You know what I mean? It's 
consistently handed down from generation to generation. So they're not conformed. Like the Bible says, do not be conformed. You know, we want them to have a renewed mind and get back out there. I don't want to hide them from struggle. I don't want to hide them or keep them in a you know, in a bubble from being hurt or skinned their knees or failing for that matter, you know, but we, we want to raise them up where failure is not, not final, man. If you fail at something, it doesn't mean anything. If, right. if you fall, you can get, you can get back up. And, and there's a couple of stories in there about our personal experience with the, uh, our kids, especially two of them who've had a heck of a journey, uh, who've struggled, who failed at things. But, but they weren't going to let that get to them. And we had to reach in, I told people, with a life ring and pull them up and say, come on, man, you're made for something great. You asked earlier um, what, what, what moves you to want to wanna write that. And I, I talked to some of that. But part of it is I, I don't think, you know, I'm, I'm getting ready to talk to a group of sixth graders this Saturday. And one of the first things I'll tell them is that you were made for purpose and you're made for greatness. And, and we're not... We're not pouring that into people today. Not that you're made to be arrogant and selfish. Listen, you're made for great. You're designed specifically uh, for a great thing, for a great purpose. And, and that's what we want people to, to understand. But, and it's not an easy walk. It's simply not. But you've got to be willing to get in every day, to fight for your children, to fight for your marriage, to fight for your family. And it's not just, Tom, it's not just about praying. And I tell people, well, you got to be praying. Yeah, but you have to get engaged as a parent, as a husband, as a wife. You have to, you have to be speaking to them. You have to be pouring life to them. And, and it's not always pretty. <laughs> it's right. awkward. It's, it's challenging. And, and, but if you don't, you know, one of the, there's, as you well know, there's a great um, marriage restoration principle that tells a, a man and a woman that says, listen, as much as you don't want to, you go and tell your wife that you love her. I don't want to tell her that. You keep telling her. You speak life into that, into, into, back into your, your marriage. You speak life into her, and soon your heart starts to follow. You know what I mean? And that's, that's, what, that's, that's part of our response. So we, we just kind of share our walk and our challenges. And by the way, Tom, our mistakes. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> How many things we, 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 we did wrong. Hmm. Now, uh, moral relativism, that yeah. must, be, must be challenging to uh, go. First of all, your kids might label you like narrow-minded or too strict. Uh, and to me, I get the feeling like now uh, perhaps parents like explain both sides of an issue as if they're like on a little balance and right. they're both equal and then leave it up to the kid. And so... No, those are both sides of the issue. And so right. you have to make your own decision about which side you believe in, as opposed to what the Bible says, I don't right. necessarily agree with it. If I were God, perhaps I would do it differently. But thank God I don't have the job. And this is what it <laughs> says, whether I agree with it, whether I would do it that way. It's pretty hard for right. kids to hear that and like this is what our family believes we don't have right. an individual belief on this this is what we all are going to believe that well, there's, can be uh, like pretty in your face for kids these days yeah uh so the, i mean you bring up a great point because that's what their face was and i and i think now listen and i'm pretty pointed i'm very blunt sometimes and I tell people, if you're going to sit around and decide, see, well, I want my kids to make up their own mind. I said, if you go out and buy a puppy, right, you go out and buy a puppy and bring them in the house, 
Um, how do you train that puppy not to crap in the house? And people say, well, that has nothing to do with it. I says, yes, it does. As I said, you have to discipline the puppy in a sense, get him used to the way he does things so he doesn't come in and crap in the house and chew all the things. And then people say, well, are you equating that to children? I said, more or less. I said, if you make, if you're going to sit back and just let your child make up his or her own mind, where's your responsibility in training him? The other thing is, is there a standard by which we're called to live? And this is the problem with moral relativism. See, because everything is okay. Everybody's opinion is equal. Everybody's opinion is not wrong. It's all equal. That's baloney. That, that's anarchy. That's <laughs> absolutely. That's, and when people say it, I laugh. I, I said, listen, I'll, I'll tell you what. Um, you go and get hired by IBM. Uh, let's take IBM, for example, or any large company. And they have a set of values and mission statement. And you go in and say, well, you know, I really don't value your type of integrity and character. I value my own and I'm going to do my own thing. How long are you going to stay in that job? You're going to, you're going to get, you're going to, you know, you're going to get fired immediately, right? So this whole idea of that truth is relative. It can be anything you or I want. And, I, and if, if that's true, and my wife, who's so darn smart, Tom, she's a, was a math major and a computer science major in college. So we were talking about moral relativism and, and is truth relative anymore? And she said, you know, hon, if, if truth is just relative, in other words, it can be whatever you want it to be. She said, then one in one can equal three. <laughs> like, yeah, that's right. One in one can equal three. If truth is relevant. She said, if one in one can equal three, how do we build a stable bridge, a straight highway, a home? I'm like, oh, you are a smart woman. You are wise. So, and so the whole idea that there is no standard is absolutely ridiculous. Because, And this is the problem we're facing in our culture today. If there is no standard, Tom, then you can't say, right? You, that's where you can't say, well, you know those radical terrorists who go by another step? You can't say that when they skin somebody alive because they don't agree with them, it's wrong. It's just a matter of opinion. And you and I know that's bull. There is a right. There is a wrong. And it does speak to us in our heart. But see, the, the issue with moral relativism is this, Tom. See, if my truth is my truth and your truth is your truth, then you can't sit and point to me and say what I'm doing is wrong. In other words, that behavior that I want to do because I willingly want to, and that's the problem, that then there's no accountability. And, and that's the problem with when I tell people there is accountability, there is a standard, there, is, there are a moral standard. And if there's a moral standard, follow me, if there is a moral standard, then there must, and that means there's a moral law. And if there's a moral law, there must be a moral lawgiver. And by all accounts, that moral lawgiver has to come outside space and time and has to come down to something, which is God. And the problem is, People don't want to have a moral lawgiver. They don't want morality because they don't want to be accountable to their behavior. And that's the issue that we have. I don't want to be accountable. I want to be able to do what I want to do. And we go back when we look in the Bible for thousands of years. That's man's problem. I want to rebel. I don't want to be accountable. No, I'm sorry. I don't want to do that. We, 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 you know what I mean? We, instead, of, instead of understanding, God said all the time, he says, hey, light came into the world and men love darkness. We still see it to this day. And so we want to we want to train our, our children up to say there is a moral standard to live by. There is a proper way to live your life. There is a proper way to treat other people that you disagree with. And you don't have to agree with someone's lifestyle or anything, but you're called to love them. And I think sometimes, you know, that's what we miss. 
Mm-hmm. That's a lot of what we miss. Yeah, 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 yeah. We don't agree with them doesn't mean we can't love them. As God no. said, hey, if you just, no, if you just love think, the people you love, it's like, yeah. well, whip you do. <laughs> well, I think, and I think sometimes in our community, Tom, we, we, we wrestle with those things. And I get it. I'm not, listen, you know what? Um, we, we look at, you know, what, when Jesus was asked by the Pharisees and Sadducees, he goes, you know, what's, what, what, you know, what's the most important commanded? You know, he said, he said something that was just huge. And he, he said, Hey, listen, you're supposed to love your God with all your heart and all your mind and all your soul and love your neighbor as yourself. You know, all this, you know, all the, you know, all the prophets words stand on this thing. And he said that over and over again. And if we look how Jesus reacted to people who were living poor lives, he didn't poke them in the eye. He, he loved them where they're at. He ate with them. He sat with them and he told them, I got a better way for you, man. I got a, I got a better way from you. Matter of fact, the only, the only people that, that Jesus actually scolded were the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And I call them, well, those were the religious leaders and the lawyers of the day. He, he called them a brood of vipers because they were leading people to a path of destruction. So our response is, in, you know, one of the things we tell, like I told the, tell the children, we trained them up is, hey, listen, there are, there are lots of people who don't, who live a different lifestyle and everything. I said, you do not, you're not called to agree with them, but you're called to, you know, to love them. And you're, you're, you're called, you know, to, to love them and treat them like a, like a friend. You don't have to agree with them. You don't have to side with their lifestyle, but, but you don't treat them like there's something other than, human or something like that's not how we're supposed to do things the problem is is we disagree with someone's lifestyle their beliefs today we're labeled because of moral we're we're because people are trying to dupe us into thinking all opinions are equal all 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 opinions are equally valued that when we say we disagree with you over that you're a hater you're homophobic misogynistic and all the other things right And, and in the book i talk about Hey, listen, if all opinions are valid and equal, I said, it can't be. I said, I've, I've spent my career as a warrior, you know, targeting bad, terribly criminals across, you know, the ground of the globe. And so if you're telling me that their opinion, their, their, uh, their, their position of life and how to operate is equal to mine, then, then what am I doing chasing them? Why am I chasing them down? Why am I trying to hold them accountable? Well, because there's a standard. See, you know what I mean? There has to be a standard. And if there's no standard in our community, Tom, and there's no standard in our country where we're seemingly racing towards the abyss, then we start to move towards anarchy and social, then becomes social disorder and, and all the other things that come with that. You know, you know, we we run around trying to tell them, well, everybody's good, everybody's great. That's that's just bull. You know, so <laughs> that's a yeah. lie of the enemy. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, and I get, you know, forgive me. I get, I get real excited about it because I don't, you know, I didn't write it to tell everybody, people, you're doing it wrong. I didn't say, here's what we did. But there are certain truths that that we've walked away from that we you can't hide from. And isn't there more power in sharing that as a husband and a wife? If you're like a single mother and you're trying to hammer this home and they can go to other extraneous people outside the family that might disagree. Whereas I think if, and dad says it, and there's no, no going between them on, well, you know, I think it paints a better picture for a kid when like, like both of these people that I love, both agree that this is the way 
And so, well, I think that's a stronger message. Although, if you're a single parent, that doesn't leave you out from delivering the same. No, message. not not in a not in the least bit. Not not at all. Listen, what my my one of the things that attracted my wife and I to each other nearly 36 years ago was we we were equally yoked in in everything. Not not just in faith, but what how we believed about family, what we believed about children, how we what we believed about raising children and responsibility and 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 so that's what you know but still we we still had much to learn both about each other and then as children came along you know how, you know how to respond and, and train them up and and uh you know and and we were just kind of blessed and, and we listen we leaned a lot on the promises uh of the bible you know there's a in in jeremiah 29 chapter 11 where it says uh, you know for i know the plans i have for you says the long plans for good and not for evil to give you a future and hope I remember the first time I came across that scripture, I heard it at church decades ago. I grabbed onto that, Tom, like that was a freaking, you know, that, that was like a secret and nobody knew about it. So I actually grabbed onto that thing and said, man, that's powerful. God knows the plan. And I would, as the kids came, I would hang that, I would write those things and hang them up on their walls. And when we would pray at night, I said, listen, God has a plan for you. And it's for greatness, man. It's for greatness. He has a plan for you. It's not a bad plan. It's not an evil. It's a good plan. And you pour that into them. And you pour that into them. But it doesn't mean life is going to be easy. He didn't promise us that we're going to have it easy. He didn't promise us that we're Christians, that we, you know, that that we're not going to, we, we won't have adversity in our life, that death wouldn't come into our life, that, that sometimes tragedies wouldn't come into our life. He's just at the, at, in the fullness of our time. I got you. He's always, I got you, man. And my plan is for goodness, no matter how long or how short you have on this life. And that's what was important pouring into them. Not, you know, not to fear those things. Amen. Amen. Wow. So uh, the book is coming out soon, I hope. Well, you know what? We it's funny. I, I it was in editing a little bit longer. I was a little <laughs> we were a little worried about it. it. Was in editing a little bit longer than we thought. But the company that we use has just been a great company. It's uh, uh, you know it's 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 a it publish on demand type of deal. But we've uh, um, it's it, they've been very very Lulu. They've been very very good to us. And um, we're we're hoping it's going to be out here by the end. We're hoping the end of the month. I'm kind of been careful about it. Uh, the editing is done. They're now going to uh, the, the cover copy and into the final stages of it. So we're hoping and praying it's going to be out. It'll be out on Amazon and Barnes and Noble, and uh, we'll, we'll get some messages. But we're we're praying, at, at Tom, honestly, that this is going to open some doors for my wife and I to go around and 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 talk about you know so, some of these issues today. As you well know, um, they're they're challenging with even within our community when we talk boldly about you know, about the importance of fighting for your children, the importance about pouring into them. You know, we have, we have, we have families that are two income families because they have to, but that, but that doesn't, that doesn't mean they can't, you know, you're, you're, you can't still fight on, on for your children. You know, it doesn't mean you, you still, you know, people say, well, you know, uh, you guys, your, your, your wife stayed home and yeah, my, my wife stayed home because this is what we believed at the time, but not everybody can do that. You know, not, and I understand that. You know what I mean? So we're not trying to tell people, this is how you got to do it the Jimmy and Shelly way. No, well, you, you got to be willing. You know, sometimes, especially as men, Tom, men think that we have to be kind of perfect. You know, when we go off to church, sometimes we have a tendency to look at all the, what we call the perfect men at church. And in reality, the guy that you think is perfect <laughs> is dealing with the same issues that you're doing. You know what I mean? <laughs> oh, he, he's, I 
I was in a small group with about a dozen men. They were all like executives, owners of companies. I don't know how I snuck in there, but for two or three years. And so many times someone would share something great and the other guys would go, oh, my God. Like there was one time, the most memorable one I can remember is one guy said, you know, we met on Mondays, like, oh, man, I look forward to church all week. And then, you know, there's a pretty woman and dressed maybe provocatively of some sort, three rows yeah. ahead, and the whole service, I'm staring at her and not enjoying <laughs> worship. And I feel like such a horrible sinner. And yeah. everybody else was like, oh, my God, oh, gosh, thank you so much. Like, we yeah. are all horrible sinners. Right. Thanks. And that's, you know what, Doc, that's exactly it, bro. That's exactly it. We, 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 we wrestle with this thing of perfection. Jesus never said, he never called it. He just said, be willing and get in, man. Get in and get in there, man. Get in there. You know, right. that's, you know, and the same thing happened. We had a marriage enrichment course at church. And so every week, a different couple would lead and talk about their marriage and lead a discussion. And every week, it was someone that my wife and I would be like, oh, we can't wait to hear from them. Must have been so perfect. And we heard stories of like separating and hating and despising and getting back together. And you're like, we should give them advice. Like, wow. And you I was did. like, holy cow. And you're like, man, now you've been married, what, 36 years? Like, you <laughs> yeah. figured it out? Oh, that, well, that's it. And you're still, you know, the neat thing about this is you, you, I think what's important is you're still, you're still learning. You know, we just became grandparents. Uh, my oldest daughter, uh, I had uh, her and her husband had their son, Braden, and, and he's about three months now. And so we, we look at this in terms of generational stuff, too, you know. As 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 we pass the our best wisdom, I mean, in terms of a mom and dad, to our children, and and they prayerfully will do it better than we did. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Not that hey, we have man. I'm, my prayer is that my kids will do this gig ten times better uh, than I did. But right. most importantly, is that 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 they continue to have a, or this relationship with with uh, Jesus and God the Father and and continue to pursue him from their heart and and regardless that's got to be number 1 because after that you can face anything in life right. anything in life yeah. and, and you as you said change. earlier this book isn't about Jimmy and Michelle's no. way to do it. No. This is no. like God's. This is no. like pointing them to God's way of doing it. <laughs> hey, listen, this is what hey, God says. Like, yeah, it is. And and we did that wrong. You know, we, there are times you do that. I tell people all the time. Hey, listen, I'm not going to get the Jim Dobson Focus on a Family Award because when my kids were younger, I threatened to pull body parts off of them, and people laugh. You know, just there was no that we. I didn't. I I didn't have converse. We're not. We're going to discuss. You did. There was like no, you know. I was pretty tough on them, and and be and and some of that toughness was uh, misguided on my part, you know, because I thought I had to have perfect little soldiers. And by the way, my the, my kids. I tell people all the time: don't think for one minute my kids didn't push us to the brink, didn't challenge us from time to time. We we have a very strong will at, at about what one of my kids, one of my daughters, was grew up a very strong willed. Uh, individual and we had to figure out how do how do we how do we discipline her a little bit differently and we had to learn how to do that. 
but 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 we we always went back into the arena. And by the way, that you know the the kids. I'm just I'm proud of all every one of them. And uh, as we've learned from them about how to approach different things, the older we've gotten, uh, we've gotten we've I think we've gotten a little bit better about the things we used to think are important weren't so important aren't so important anymore, and the things that that are important, which has internal significance become more important than anything else. Amen. So uh, I said 40 to 45 minutes of recording. You and I could talk for a long time. Oh, I know. <laughs> and then, Jeepers, I should be better at this interviewing thing because we haven't mentioned the website to go to yet. <laughs> Usually, you know, you want to talk about that regularly and I haven't even promoted that. Which, where do you want people really to go? The main so, site? you know, my, my, I, I'm at, I do have a website. It's at uh, frontlineleadershipgroup.com, frontlineleadershipgroup.com. Um, if they, you can even, if they don't remember that, they can just query my name, Jimmy Caffer, and it should take them uh, to the site. On the site, you can, um, you, can, you can take a look at what I do for a living, which is my, I make my living from speaking and, and doing a little bit of teaching and but uh, the books are on there. You can click on the link. It'll take you to uh, where to buy the first two books. Uh, but also what's on there is if you go under the Courageous banner, um, where the new book is, uh, if you click on the link, you can actually get the intro to the new book. So uh, you, can, you can read the intro, and I encourage people to do that. And when the book comes out, we're, asking, we're being very bold to ask people to buy it. And to review it on Amazon, we're hoping and praying that it becomes a bestseller. And I, 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 I say that for not just the reason is I want to be a bestseller, as you are, but I, I want people to get this in their hands. I, I want people to be, you know, to, to see that, you know, our walk. And, and we want to encourage people to give them hope to say, listen, you, you know, sometimes we don't do it right, but we still got to do it. So that I, we don't want anybody to look at this and say, well, this is how to, but rather that this will give others, you know, hope that no matter what they do, that they can raise kids who are designed for a great moral purpose. Amen. More a great pur moral purpose, a godly purpose. Yeah, absolutely. hundred percent. All right. Frontlineleadership.com. Looking forward to the book. I myself just downloaded that first chapter. Good. So uh, everybody go to the site. Fascinating man. Front, great yep. uh, book. Frontlineleadershipgroup.com. Amen. Thanks so much for your time today, Jim. Uh, amazing as always. I can't wait for the book. Thanks, brother. I really appreciate you having me on the show again. God bless you. Take care. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of Journey to Success Radio. If you or anyone you know would like to be interviewed for the show, email tom at tomtutall.com for details.